Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through that illusion of separation. And I know that something you hear in this next hour will open you to the infinite field of possibility in relationship to your life. Yes, your performance, maybe even how you function in the world. So imagine this. What if... You could reach your peak performance on demand, on purpose, like all the time. Athletes call it flow or the zone or peak performance. And what if you could take this powerful state of consciousness and apply it to all aspects of your life? Inspired by his own experience, our guest today has developed a real protocol to enhance performance through integral consciousness, helping athletes learn to create the zone by choice, not by chance. I love that, don't you? And we're going to learn from him today. I invite you to take a few deep breaths, bring your awareness into this moment, open your mind, connect with your heart. And settle into your essential self as I introduce our guest. Author, clinician, and performance specialist, Scott Ford has been a USPTA professional since 1977. He's the author of Design B, How to Play Tennis in the Zone. And welcome to the Zone Peak Performance, Redefined. And he's a contributing author to Sports, Energy, and Consciousness awakening human potential through sport. Scott has also written numerous articles that have appeared in TennisOne.com, Advantage Magazine, Sports Vision Magazine, and Colorado Tennis. His groundbreaking 2005 video, Welcome to the Zone, gives an overview of the parallel mode process, a process for accessing, maintaining, and competing in the zone. I love so much about him. I'm going to tell you a little bit more because I think it's so cool to really feel who this person is that's going to join us today. So Scott's unique concepts on playing in the zone have been presented at the prestigious USTA National Tennis Teachers Conference, the USPTA World Congress on Tennis, the Canadian National Tennis Teachers Conference, and the 2000 Pre-Olympic Congress of Sports Science and Health in Australia. In 2008, he and his associates gave a presentation on visual dynamics in combat to the commandant and senior training staff of the Navy SEALs. Yes, the Navy SEALs in Virginia Beach. Scott's latest book, Integral Consciousness and Sport, is due out in 2006. Scott, I could go on and on and on, and I know you're also working with a team of scientists, researchers, and coaches specializing in human dynamic dynamics of peak performance, and you're doing so much more teaching and what have you in Denver, Colorado, but I'm going to bring you on so you can tell us about it. So welcome, Scott. Well, thank you, Julie. I was wondering who you were reading about there. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> well, you know what? I usually do a more brief 
bio on people and introduction when they come on and then we get into things but I just kept looking at this over and over and over and really wanted our listeners to get a feel for you because you have accomplished so much in not only helping with the research of this but really teaching this zone and this peak performance to lots of people and I I love your book so thank you for joining us today. Oh well thank you it's been quite a journey for me all these years. It started a long time ago, and I've just stayed with it for 35, 36 years. I've lost count. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, as I've kind of developed this process, the process has turned around and developed me. So (laughs) nice little give and take there. I love that. That is so cool. Hey, Scott, I have a traditional question here, and then we're going to get into what this process is that's developed you. I love that saying. I'm going to, I'm going to quote you on that one on social media. However, I do have my traditional first question and I, and I would be remiss if I didn't go there with you because I think it's, it's really important to set this conversation into this bigger meme and, and this whole topic fits right in. So I'm going to start with this, Scott, what does all things connected mean to you? Very simple. It means the whole I'm very much into showing people the connection that they can have with the whole of their sport. And in so doing, that connection gives them a sense of connecting to the whole of reality, the whole of the universe, the whole of the cosmos, all things connected. I'm right there with you, girl. (laughs) I know you are. That's why I invited you onto my show. I love what you're teaching. I love talking about consciousness in this way. And I love, um, for me in my experience, I've never been a professional athlete by any means. I remember getting into the zone um, one summer, particularly when my boyfriend went away to, to boot camp and, and I had the whole summer to myself and, and I did a lot of running. So I remember that physical being in the zone place with running, but I also have had a lifetime of being in the zone with creative pursuits, with art, with writing, with um, even doing psychotherapy with patients and, and other things. So I'm really excited to talk about what this really means, but let's start before we hear your story of how you discovered this new way of looking at it because I think it is so original and I can't wait to to talk about it but so before we get to your story let's just define this for our listeners what what is this zone what is peak performance what's the flow that we're talking about well you almost defined it yourself when you were talking about being in the zone with running what happens is there's suddenly for kind of no apparent reason Athletes in all sports will find themselves in a state where everything seems to come together all at once. Their awareness of everything around them seems to be heightened. They breathe, their breathing calms down. Their, their operating system seems to be much more relaxed. The game becomes very fluid. They, it's basically effortless, and all of a sudden, not only do they start playing better, but they also have this different sense of competition. It's like they're not 
competing anymore against an opponent. It's more that you're just competing for the sheer joy of competition or playing the game. And for me, it's always been a, a sense of just being home. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing as an athlete and as a human being. And the fact that you play better all the time when you're in the zone, as opposed to when you're in your normal performance state, was really the thing that drew me back to this time and time again. But I guess to define the zone as simply as possible is that it's a state of flowing presence. You are connected to the flowing present dimension of whatever it is that you're doing, whether it be psychotherapy, whether it be running, whether it be creativity, writing, music, art, anybody who connects to the flowing present in the activity that they're doing will experience this higher order state of flow. And the point is, it just kind of happens and people don't recognize that they've actually done something differently that causes that to happen. And that's the thing that I accidentally stumbled on all those years ago. Mm, I love that because this is, this is really where the conversation turns because I think most of us may have had that moment in time where, you know, we lose track of time. We're in this flow and, and wow, it's like this amazing thing. And, and outside of meditation really, being in active mode in our life in that state of flowing presence and and conscious of it. But what you did was stumbled upon a new way of really choosing this state. And I love I love your book. Um, and I can't wait for the new book to come out. But really looking at how do we create the zone by choice? not by chance to really turn that on. And I know with athletes and I've worked with a lot of, a lot of athletes with performance anxiety over the years as a psychologist. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we talk about skill level and rules and, you know, the game, here's how the game works in our head. And then we get out of our head and get back into our body and into that flow and things go, but you discovered a mechanism that lets you turn that on and off. Let, tell us your story. How did that happen? Well, actually, in 1978, I was playing with a friend of mine, and I was um, having a little trouble with my timing. I was hitting all the balls, but I was hitting late. And anybody that's played any tennis or any ball sports, fast-moving ball sports, will know that if your timing is bad, you don't play very well. And here I was, a tennis professional, and I was having bad timing, and I was having trouble figuring out how to change that because there wasn't really much written about how to fix bad timing in any of the literature on sports. So I just, for some reason, and this is something that I think was just more or less some type of inspiration from the cosmos, I don't know, I just decided to pretend I had a big window out in front of me, an imaginary window. And that um, if I made contact with the ball at that window, then my timing would be at least consistently in the same distance in front of me. So I started uh, trying to hit the ball at this window all the time. But what I did was I was watching the ball as closely as I could as it came toward me. And then I wasn't seeing this window and I kept hitting it late. So I just decided, well, that's not working. I'm just going to 
pretend to uh, have this window in front of me, and I'm just not going to let any balls get by it. So I stopped trying to hit the ball over the net, and I stopped trying to watch the ball, and I just started watching this window and using my racket to keep the ball from breaking through the window. And every time I was successful, I would say yes, and if it went through the window, I'd say no. And so I found myself kind of going yes, no, yes, 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 and yes, yes, like a hundred times in a row. I was going, oh my God, something really different has happened. And I really realized that I had found how to get into the zone. And it was through this focusing and fixing my focus on this window in front of me rather than watching the ball. So I tried it both ways. I tried watching the ball back and forth and I felt myself going out of the zone. And then I started watching this window and felt myself getting back into the zone. And as luck would have it, the guy I was playing with that day was a clinical psychologist. And he just said, whoa, Scott, what the heck just happened to you? It looks like you got in the zone. And I said, I did. And he said, well, what did you do? And I said, you got to try this. So he kind of chuckled at first when I told him to imagine a big invisible window out in front of you and don't let the ball get by it with your racket. But he said, okay, I'll try anything. So he tried it, and lo and behold, he got in the zone as well. And immediately, I mean, it took no time at all. And all of a sudden, he and I started hitting back and forth way better than we had been playing previously. And we hit for like 30 minutes, just hitting the ball back and forth, totally in the zone, both of us. And when we were finished, he just went, wow this is really something. You really hit on something here. And I said, well, <laughs> I don't know what I've hit on. What in the heck? You're the psychologist. Why don't you tell me what happened? And he goes, you know, we really don't know that much about this. But I've got some books that you can read and can talk about it a little bit. So I started reading everything I could read in psychology and about consciousness. And um, I would do reading on the outside and then I would get in the zone on the inside and study it from the inside as well. And kind of what happened over the years is that this inside-outside method of observing the zone and studying it led to me developing this process. So that's the short story. That is that is really cool, Scott, that I do believe the cosmos gives us those moments and for whatever reason mm -hmm. that just no, came I to you and I, yeah. in your book you talk about feeling so childlike it was like this childlike game that you were doing what do you credit that technique to I know you've done tons of research and now you have these real formal methods that you can teach people but what was it about creating this imaginary boundary that you weren't going to let the ball pass that was different than watching the ball to get it over the net to me part of it is getting out of your head and and being in this playful place but what what do you credit that to well there's that but there's also some very scientific sort of physiological things that happen when you stop focusing on the ball and start focus, fixing your focus on the window figure that if you're watching a ball go back and forth across the net and you're keeping it in focus you're in what's called a variable focus input pattern. And when you fix your focus on this window and let the ball come into focus and go out of focus, 
you shifted over to what's called a fixed focus input pattern. So you're literally using your eyes to input visual information about what's going on in your visual field in two completely different ways. The traditional way that we all learn is to watch the ball and focus on the ball, concentrate on the ball, whatever. And that's what I learned. That's how I learned how to play all the ball sports that I played. But this was very different. It was really tricky at first because I knew that I wasn't focusing on the ball. And yet when I'd focus on this window and then I'd just look along the surface of this window for where the ball would contact the window, I, I knew I was using my eyes this totally different way, this fixed focus pattern versus a variable focus pattern. So I went to uh, one of the leading sport vision experts in the world who just happened to live in Denver. and. I showed him how to do this, and his first reaction was he was playing with his wife, and I showed her first, and she got in the zone, and then I showed him, and he got in the zone, and he turned to his wife and said, this is it. This is what we've been looking for, and he helped me to better define in the terminology that uh, that I needed to use in order to get this past the sport vision experts in the world who all were training their students to watch the ball more closely. And here we came and said, no, no, don't watch the ball closely at all. In fact, defocus from the ball and focus instead on this open space in front of you, which is your contact zone. And therein lies the similarity to getting out of your head because when you focus on empty space, you're literally focusing on no thing, nothing. And that'll get you out of your head in a hurry. Mm. I love that. No thing, nothing. Thank you for, I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's a good psychology term. That's a good meditation term, mindfulness. And sure. really, it's like getting us out of the detail of who we are and almost like... Mm -hmm. um, from my perspective, when I teach people how to be the witness of themselves, then they mm -hmm. really get out of, of ego even. And so there's so many parallels here. How would that work with other sports, Scott? So in tennis, you have this imaginary plane, and now you've created this new way of accessing the zone. How might that work mm -hmm. in in volleyball and basketball and football and in other sports when you're teaching it now? Well, every, every sport has this foundational pattern of you've got the, let's say, ball sports. You've got the movement of the ball, and then you've got your counter movement to intercept the ball, and then you've got contact, which is where movement and counter movement come together. And volleyball has that pattern, baseball, softball, any of the ball sports, lacrosse, soccer, and all of those would then have an application of focusing on the contact zone as opposed to watching the ball. So that's really the easiest way to think of it is that if you can look at the, the fundamental pattern of, of sport is this contact sequence pattern. And in that contact sequence, no matter what kind of ball is coming at you, if it's a, you know, a, a hockey puck coming at you, it's the movement of the hockey puck and your counter movement is the goalie to intercept the hockey puck and then the contact. And if you don't make contact and they score a goal, then 
you probably did something wrong with your eyes rather than being able to actually, you can't follow a hockey puck going 120 miles an hour. So better to keep your focus on your, your blocking zone or your contact zone and let the hockey puck come into focus very, very fast. <laughs> so it works in all sports. That's what's the beauty of it. And I've taught athletes of in every kind of sport imaginable how to, how to do this. And all of them have been able to get in the zone almost immediately. And then it's just a matter of um, learning how to maintain it. And that's really the, the practice part of, of anything that anybody does when they get into a transformative practice. Take meditation, for example, the first time anybody meditates, they can't, you know, watch their thoughts for more than two seconds before they get attached to their thinking and they lose the whole idea of observing their own thoughts. But then with practice, you get to where you can let go of your thoughts and just observe them, like you were saying, and be mindful of your thoughts and be with the witness of your own mind. And that's what happens when you start doing this in tennis. You, you really get out of your egoic conscious state, your gross conscious state, and you shift over into this integral conscious state, which is really much more expansive and much more inclusive. That's where you get the, the sense of all things being connected. You're literally focused on nothing, but you're seeing everything. That's a very different perspective of reality on a court or off the court. Scott, I love anyway, that. I can go part. on. I can go on and on and on like that. I've, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> well, I think that the the thing that's really important about this part, and I and I'd love to go into the conversation about maintaining it after the break because I think it's a really important important conversation. But right here, one of the things that that I'm hearing is. You learn the sport, you learn the technique, you practice the basics, and then when it comes to performance, you let all that go and you go into the zone. Yep, bingo. That's, that's in theory, that's what everybody would like to do. Because then at whatever level of skill you're at, you can kind of maximize your potential at that level by getting in the zone. So beginners can get in the zone and they can play as well as they can possibly play at that beginning level. But th they'll also improve much faster if they can maintain this zone state. But also same thing with um, intermediate players and professional level players. It does, your skill level doesn't matter. It's more how you connect your operating system to the athletic environment. And if you can connect to the present, dimension of that environment, then your, your operating system will perform at its peak level. If you mm -hmm. connect to like the past, the immediate past, which would be the ball in the case of fast moving ball sports, that's actually in the immediate past relative to you. Or if you, uh, let's say you attach to where I want to hit the ball to my target and that's takes place after I make contact. So that's like too far in the future. And we generally flip-flop back and forth between the immediate past of our, um, of our material environment, all of the objects and people and places and things in our environment. We get attached to them just by focusing on them. And then we're kind of living in the past. And that's 
all of the things we focus on control our focus rather than us taking our own visual and mental focus and putting it right where we want it, which in tennis would be on your contact zone, and then all of the action takes place on the other side of this window, and you see all of it while maintaining your focus on the contact zone. And it's a way different way of, of perceiving all of the chaos out in front of you without yeah. letting it control you. You know, Scott, I just want to pause here to really um, put an exclamation on something that you're talking about because I think it's helpful to our listeners and anybody that might be saying, hey, I want some of this. I want to learn how to do this. One of the things that you just spoke of that I think is so important, and then we have to take a break, um, but that piece of it being in the state of flowing presence, in the present moment. And like you're saying, if I'm thinking about where I want to put the ball, I'm too far out in the future. If I'm, think, if I'm focusing on the ball coming at me, I'm not in my present moment. I'm, I'm, I broke that state. So yeah, I think that that past. part yeah. is, what? You're slightly in the past then. You're slightly in the past. I love that. Yeah. So we need to take a break, and I want to make sure that our listeners know how to find you. We're talking with Scott Ford, an author of Welcome to the Zone, Peak Performance Redefined, and a new book out coming soon. But, Scott, is it tennisinthezone.com? Yes. Mm -hmm. All righty. Scott so you can tennisinthezone.com. All righty. So you can go find more information. Look up this book. Go to tennisinthezone.com. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, more on this peak performance thing and really this movement that's going on in our world right now. So we're going to talk more and expand this out into a bigger picture. We'll be right back. Play ball! Now pitching, Dave Black. Dave is about to catch his opponent off guard. Not with his nasty fastball. No, instead of a fastball, Dave will be hurling a tomato. And the pitch. Ooh. Using tomatoes as baseballs won't go over well with anyone. But if you're looking to hit the ball further and throw better, eating a healthy diet that includes fruits and vegetables is a home run. Packed with nutrients, they could help keep your body healthy and strong, giving you the energy you need to hit that grand slam. When you look at it this way, eating tomatoes is playing hardball against the competition. Run, throw, think, eat better. Can your food do that? Find out at smallstep.gov. That's smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. This week's episode, Fire at the Shed. Gee, Johnny, this rope swing sure is swell. Don't I know it. <coughs> hey, it's Sassy. I think she's trying to tell us something. <coughs> Mr. Gunderson? What about Mr. Gunderson? <coughs> A fire? Mr. Gunderson's trapped? Where, Sassy? Where? <coughs> what, Sassy? Now that you've got our attention, you'd like to take a moment to talk about shelter pets? <coughs> 
<laughs> Shelter pets in general are well-adjusted, healthy, and love being with people? Jesse, we don't have time! <laughs> pets often end up in shelters due to owner problems like divorce or allergies? That's great, Sassy, but what about the fire? <laughs> there is no fire! <laughs> You're just messing with our heads? Sassy! Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Remember, adopt! And do you want a good hairstyle every day? Hi, I'm Sarah Schuster. I went on a website called inventnow.org, and after that, I decided to invent something too. Something called the Insta-Do. Just imagine, you just put it over your head like a helmet does, and you pick your hairstyle with the buttons on the side, and you can have instant hairstyle in seconds. People like it. People like Jeff Bart. I like it. And people like Kenneth. It's a summer thing, and it fits over your head, and it's great. Thank you, for Kenneth. You should go to inventnow.org, and it could help you come up with your own invention. After all, look at me on the radio now. Anything's possible. Keep thinking. Get started on your own inventions, or just play some games at inventnow.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors Hall of Fame Foundation, and the Ad Council. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today and want to share it with others, or maybe you just want to listen to it again, visit our website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archives as well as list of upcoming guests in the future. So stay connected all week also through our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. And again, we're talking with Scott Ford, author, coach, trainer, extraordinaire and you can find him at tennisinthezone.com scott the thing that i love about this entire conversation and and everything you're doing is it applies to life so much it applies Mm -hmm. to how we can do almost anything when we really learn that state of flowing presence and i teach that to my clients but before we go there and we go to that bigger picture, and and I really want to talk about what you and and, and others are doing this coming year with the SEC. I want to go there, but first we mu- must not pass up the opportunity to talk about how to maintain the zone. How do we maintain that zone, and how do we compete in the zone? One of the things that I found early on was that getting in the zone was fairly easy once you sort of learned to to keep your focus fixed on your contact zone or on the empty space in front of you. Let's just put it that way. The hard part was to maintain that fixed focus state while all of this stuff was happening out in front of you. And in in many sports, in soccer and in, in field sports where there are, there's a lot of action going on, it's really tough to keep your focus right around you, right in your contact zone area, because you want to be watching all of the other stuff going on. And it took a while for me to learn that I could actually see everything that was going on in front of me, even without focusing on it. And that became sort of the the trick to maintaining this state of flowing presence was that what I was really doing was learning to maintain a fixed focus on this empty space. 
Now to bring that into like a, say a running situation, let's say you're running and you're looking around all over the place at the, you know, you could be focusing on the trees or on the ground or on the a rock in your path or on the hot sidewalk. I don't know where you run, but if you're looking all over the place, then you're not going to be in a flow state. You're going to be in a real dualistic state where it's you separate from all of the things that, that are in front of you. But if you can learn to just fix your focus on the open space just out there in front of you, just a little ways, and leave your eyes focused there, you'll see all the rocks in your way. You'll see the sidewalk. You'll see the trees. You'll see everything. And your, your focus becomes more expanded, and you see everything and including all of the little parts that uh, you used to focus on. And that's a state of flowing presence as opposed to this jumping back and forth on these objects that are really in your immediate past. So mm. maintaining this fixed focus is a way to maintain a state of flowing presence. There's some more spatio-temporal stuff that's real complicated, but rather than get into that, the easy way is to just think of um, like if you put your finger out in front of you, about arm's length out in front of you, and just look at your, your forefinger and focus on your fingernail, you'll see that you can still see everything else in the room while you're focused on your finger. And then all you have to do is leave your eyes focused there and put your finger down. And as you leave your eyes focused on this point, em an empty space right out in front of you, you'll still see everything in your room. That, in fact, is a state of flowing presence. And you can learn to develop that and maintain it for very long periods of time. Mm. Yeah, and that's kind of what we teach in, in meditation. Lamaze sure, does the sure. same thing. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think that's what I intuitively did in high school as well when, you know, if I would if I if I would think about what I was doing, I really didn't like to run. But when I learned how to just focus right on that that fixed focus in that open space, I could run and run and run and run and run. It was incredible. And I'm like, how did I do that? And I learned how to do that. Right. And, you know, when you make that analogy of, of what we're looking at, I, th I think that's really important in this process and this conversation as well. I, I know I used to um, – I'd walk – I walk with my husband. I didn't used to, mm -hmm. but I walk with my husband. And instead of creating that fixed focus, I'd be looking at the yards and looking at the flowers and the landscaping. And and, and mm -hmm. I love doing that and literally turning my head and then my body's turning and I'm like so not focused on a, on a good walk, you know, a good brisk walk. So yeah. it's so true about that present being very different than the past and the future, just nanoseconds is what we're talking about here. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if you, if you understand that your sensory motor operating system, your body and your mind is actually in your own spatiotemporal present dimension, you are in your own present. But there's all of this stuff around you, all of the objects around you relative to you in the present are in your immediate past. It actually takes time for the light to travel and reflect off of the objects in your visual field, go into your eyes, into your brain, and for you to actually register these objects. Now, it's just 
you know, 400, 300, 200 less milliseconds for that to happen. But it's in the past nonetheless. Now, all of the open space out in front of you relative to you is your immediate future. So when you think about it, you sitting in the present, standing in your present space and time are actually surrounded by the immediate past, the objects in your environment, and the immediate future, the open space in your environment. So when you focus on this immediate future, just slightly out in front of you, you're inputting information to your brain about the future, but you're still seeing the immediate past, all of the objects in your visual field. So what's happening is your eyes are inputting parallel streams of visual information about the past and the future, the immediate past, immediate future, equally and simultaneously. And your brain puts those together and you come up with the flowing present. Mm. And it's really a construct of the immediate past and the immediate future. And normally we don't do that. Normally we just flip our eyes from one object to another in our visual field. And we live a life just in the immediate past. We're never in the flowing present. And we grow up that way. That's how we learn to do stuff. Yeah. 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 So this is, I I love this. Thank you, Scott. This is really so valuable to so many of us. How do we think about this with life, with work, with creative pursuits. I, I know I can get into the zone when I paint or draw or create, when I mm-hmm. write. H- how, yeah. how would you teach this state of flowing presence to others who just may want to improve their performance at work or in life or whatever that may be? Um, surprisingly, it's, it's the same way I teach it in, in tennis. It's, a, it's getting people out of kind of connecting to the outcome. Let's say you're sitting down to write something and you're writing for an outcome. You're, you're always kind of all over the place then. It's very difficult to be in the flowing present when yes. you're writing for some sort of outcome or painting to sell a painting or, you know, singing to, to uh, impress somebody. Um, none of that is really your authentic self. Your authentic self comes out to play when you're in the flowing present. And that's a different self. That's the egoless, um, selfless self. Let's put it that way. That's your authentic self. And when, when I teach people about, you know, flow in work, the first thing I try to do is get them out of trying to figure out what kind of outcome they want to have by the end of the day and get them thinking more about what sort of process do I want to have happening throughout my day. What sort of creative process can I do that will come up with some sort of outcome, but I'm not going to try to say what that outcome is going to be. And it's really a matter of getting them to be present with whatever the relationship is that they're in. If I'm in a conference with somebody, I want to be present in that conference room. I want to be present to the whole room, not just the other person, but to the entire conference environment so that I can be then connected to that person as well. And I feel like I'm really connecting with you across these telephone lines um, just by being present to our conversation and being present to the whole thing that we're doing. And that's how I teach it with people um, 
there's a few little tricks that I use, like were you there when I was bouncing the ball at the C2 convention or C2 No, conference? I missed that. I came um, in late. <clears throat> yeah, you can get you can do a few things with people that just mimics a, a contact sequence and, and gets them present in a in a very simple present moment, like when the ball bounces and it hits the floor, and you just say now when it hits the floor. And everybody starts saying now at exactly the same time. And when you've got 40 people in the room concentrating on saying now at exactly the same moment, then you've got 40 people in the present at that particular moment in time. And then you learn how to extend that through longer periods of time through some other things that you can do. But mostly it's getting people out of ego, as you well yeah. know, with being a psychologist. Yeah. Yeah, and the other important thing I really want to recognize of what you're talking about that's important for everyone is really releasing our attachment to the outcome. Um, you spoke oh, yeah. of that. It's yeah, like yeah. when we can really let go of that, again, we're disconnecting from an immediate future or a mm -hmm. future that's not even there and coming back closer into that present moment so I, yeah. I really appreciate that that really we get into the flow we're connected with that state and everything can create through us everything can express through us we also teach this Scott in collectives of people with consciousness and when mm -hmm. I heard you talking I also was remembering one of our techniques of, of speaking in a group when you were talking about, you know, being in a conference room with everybody and you want to, when you learn how to speak into the center, into this collective, not to one person or another, making eye mm -hmm. contact with this person, then I'm engaged and I'm, I've disengaged from that flow again and I'm in that past talking to mm -hmm. a person instead of this collective. So it's fascinating how many parallels there are here on this integral consciousness is what we're talking about. Yeah, when you when you talk about speaking to the center of the room, the center of the room has nothing in it. You're you're speaking to nothing and yet you're speaking to everything all at the same time. And the focus of your talk is to the open space in the middle of the room and yet it's penetrating the entirety of the whole room at the same time. And you're not focusing on any one person and then attaching to them or trying to get approval from them and watching them nod their head or shake their head or whatever. You're actually just letting out the flow of your own thoughts, your own stream of consciousness flows into what you're talking about. And as people listen to that, they get into that same flowing stream of consciousness, that same flowing present. And it's a very powerful way to speak. And I've had times when I've been talking in front of 200 tennis pros, and you could drop a pin in, in on the tennis courts and hear it because they're so wrapped up in what I'm saying, but not so much the words as they feel that sense of oneness with the flowing present. And when you can do that, that's a fairly effective way to get across to people what it is you're trying to say. Mm, absolutely. Well, thank you for that explanation. I know that on your website, tennisinthezone.com, in your books, and I can't wait to, to get a copy of your upcoming book that you're going to release in 2016. I 
want to make sure, though, we also talk about this organization called SEC, the Sports Energy oh, okay. Consciousness Group. And mm-hmm. you you guys released this collective, um, this book, Awakening Human Potential Through Sport. And it's got so many different experts, a lot of these same practices, techniques. Um, it's expanded. Go find a copy of this. It's it's beautiful. But tell us about this group. Who is Sports Energy Consciousness, the SEC group, and, and what are you up to? I know you're going to have a huge conference in 2016. Right. We, uh, we sort of came together through a few guys. This David Megacy, who is an ex-NFL linebacker, and a guy named Rick Leskowitz who is a Harvard psychiatrist, and he specializes in energy and sort of um, just measuring energy. And they got together and were talking about sort of this emergence of these different kinds of coaching practices that are more involved with coaching the zone or preparing more for the zone. And so David Megacy called me up and said, Scott, I'm coming through Denver. Does this stuff you do really work? And I go, sure, let's get out on the court and try it. So he and his wife came out and both of them got in the zone. And he told me about this group that was gathering together and wanted to be know if I wanted to be a part of it. And I said, absolutely. You know, I've been looking for other coaches of like mind who are more interested in higher consciousness in sport rather than, you know, winning and beating the crap out of your opponent. They want to use sport as a transformative practice. And so I was all in right from the get-go with this. And over the last few years, we've come together um, a little more formally, and we wrote this book where each of us sort of puts out there in in words what we teach and what it is, the, the underlying values of what we're teaching. And all of us have the same mission, which is to, you know, accelerate higher consciousness, accelerate global consciousness, really, through sport. Because sport is so far-reaching. It's just every country is involved in some sport and many sports. And sport as a state of consciousness is normally played in your gross, normal, conscious state. But these emerging coaches are teaching people how to play their sports in this higher integral state of consciousness. And that transformative practice of changing to a higher state of consciousness starts to spill over into everything you do in life. And you start having this higher state of consciousness in everything you do, all of the relationships that you have in life, your your marriage, your work, your school, um, art, like you were saying, writing, All of this starts to be something that you can do in a state of higher consciousness, but you have to first learn to get out of this normal conscious state, this gross conscious state, which is our egoic state. And sport happens to be a very direct way to learn how to do that. And sport in the zone is the manifestation of that higher conscious state. Maintaining the zone is maintaining and transforming and developing your ability to stay in this higher conscious state during sport. And then you just start doing the same thing in life. Mm. So that's what our group is all about. Yeah. Yeah. So sport as a transformative practice. And, and I really like how globally you're looking at this in our culture. So let's, 
Let's take a little diversion here and come back into the positives because um, just like almost everything in our world, in our our global culture here today on the planet, there's so much breaking down. And one of the things is this world of sports and competition, which is, you know, it gets a bad rap, gets some negative publicity when there's um, aggression involved. There's, you know, we, you know, we all know the story of that, but you guys are really promoting the transformative practice. That's not really about competition and beating your competitor down, but really how to access the best of the best in this. And I want to say one more thing, Scott, before I let you respond to that, which is also for spectators. I love I love the potential of looking at sport as transformative practice. And we all know what that experience is when our team does something great and you're in an auditorium with 10,000 people and this roar happens and we can all go to this, this state of flowing presence together in those mm-hmm. moments. Um, it brings us together. It makes us feel good. It moves us to tears. It moves us to ecstatic joy, whether it be the arts, whether it be, you know, theater or whether it be a big stadium full of um, an NFL game or something like that. So how yeah, exactly. do we mm-hmm. harness sport now to transform our global culture? Big question. I know you can give me a good answer. Yeah, why don't you ask an easy question there? <laughs> that's a that's such a wonderfully deep and penetrating question, though, Julie. It's you know it's, it's stuff that I think about all the time because one of the aspects of flow is that it is a state of being in which you are freed from all of the confines and the bondage of of ego and your egoic attachment to whatever state of development you might be in. Now, in in sport, there's these different stages of competitive development, and the the sort of the conventional stage is the one that we're all used to, which is win, win, win. You know, what can we do as coaches to teach our athletes to win more? And then the post-conventional stage of development is really where sports psychology, I think, has had its biggest impact because it transcended that win-win-win thing and got athletes more into the process aspect of, of performance. And then there's this quantum leap up to the next stage of development, which is the integral stage where we actually coach athletes to play in the zone. Now, that's the stage that's emerging right now with groups like this SEC group. But it's also important because when that starts to happen, when, when athletes are able to access flow intentionally on a global scale, what that's going to do is free them from being attached to whatever stage of competitive development they're in and then move up to the next higher stage of development. And as developmental coaches, what we're trying to do is always encourage vertical development, which is this development of higher consciousness in sport. And that's what's going to bring sport into this real transformative um, power that it has and and give sport more of that kind of self-actualization and self-transformation and self-realization, which is really what we're trying to bring 
to sport through this SEC group. I can also see this, Scott, transforming coaches, not just oh, the athletes, yeah. but when coaches learn to coach in the zone, mm-hmm. it changes mm-hmm. everything. That's literally what my next book is going to be about after this one that's coming out. I'm actually starting on a book that talks about, gives a curriculum for this second tier coaching, which is this coaching the zone. If you think of first tier coaching as it stops at the zone, second tier coaching starts at the zone. And that's where where we're trying to really develop an actual structure and process for how to do this so that coaches that are ready to make this shift into transformative coaching will have some, you know, footsteps in the, in the, in the pathway to doing this. Cause in order to coach this, you have to be able to do it yourself. It's not something that you just read about in a book and then you all of a sudden you go coach somebody out to get in the zone. Yeah. You sort of need to, you need to have experience in this, you know, in your, in your therapy sessions, when for you to be able to get somebody into the zone yourself, it helps that you've been there yourself many times. You got to talk from experience on this and just telling somebody, okay, A, B, C, this is what you do. And this is how you get in the zone. You can do that, but it's not very authoritative Mm. when you can show them. I have a request for your fourth and your fifth book. I think (laughs) after you do this coaching in the zone piece, then you need to, to move on to, the stakeholders, the owners, the colleges, the those people who are focused on it, and then and the fans. So there's four and five for you, okay? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, <laughs> let's go one at a time here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're. I like the way you keep expanding, and that's that's sort of the whole idea here. Is integral consciousness is expansive consciousness, and it continues to expand. It never stops. The creative advance towards novelty and, you know, greater complexity. So what's happening is as we get into this state of flow, we continue to creatively advance and we continue to develop. You just can't stop it. And that's, that's really this kind of the call of the zone, if you will, is that it's this call for us to keep going for this huge potential that's within us and just to keep reaching for that and, and actually experiencing it. It's not some mysterious thing out there that you never get your hands on. It's actually something that we can experience every day of our lives. And just knowing how to connect to flowing presence will give us that experience. And then we want more and more and more and more. And we want to get better at it. And that's sort of what flow does for you. It, it really, it sort of catalyzes the, the whole idea of I want to continue on this path. And I want to continue my own self-development. And that then starts to expand out into everything you do, which expands out into everything else. So all things are connected. Yep. Great lessons for life. Scott, this was such a delight and, and a stretch for me to move into this world to teach some of these same concepts. But thank you. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing all this incredible wisdom and knowledge with our listeners today. Thank you. Well, it's been my pleasure, Julie. Thank you.
Mm, I have enjoyed every minute of it, and I can't wait for your next book. We'll talk about it, and we'll talk about that conference coming up when it gets closer as well. So I just want to remind our listeners, we've been talking with Scott Ford, author of Welcome to the Zone and so much more. And, of course, you can always connect with me on my website, juliecroll.com. Thank you for listening today. Together we create greater connectivity, and that's always a good thing for the greater good of the whole. So until next time. I'm wishing you conscious love and connection. Bye for now.